Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams. In this episode, we're excited to be joined by Eric Walzakowski, CEO of Bespoke Partners. As an experienced operator, investor, board member, and consultant, Eric brings a multi-dimensional perspective on building high-impact executive teams that deliver superior results. Over the past decade, Bespoke Partners have brought exceptional leaders to private equity-backed portfolio companies in the software and SaaS sector. Today, we'll be examining trends that shape the talent market for these companies. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for having me, Rob. Very happy to be here and talk about one of my favorite subjects, talent in private equity. Well, love hitting you right where you're you're happiest to talk about, so let's dive right in, and I love the passion. Eric, how is talent now the primary growth lever for private equity portfolio companies, and how has it evolved over the last few years? Well, I think it's a great question, and actually, I think if you look at the history of private equity, go back to the late 80s, early 90s, I think when you talk to the private equity deal makers, they would say that that time was really about proprietary deal flow, financial engineering as the levers to drive value in these companies, right? Find a proprietary asset that's undervalued, uh, pull some financial levers and generate a return in a few years. What's interesting to me is if I think back to graduate school in the 90s, I had a professor who at the time had done two private equity transactions as an operator and he had this famous statement that he would say in front of the class, do you bet on the horse or do you bet on the jockey? And his answer to that was you bet on the jockey all day, every day, because he said good operators will find a way to make money. And it's interesting because you go back to the 90s. And again, as we mentioned, I think that private equity folks would talk about proprietary deal flow and financial engineering. But I think this thesis has always been in the background in private equity. And I think as you started to fast forward into the 2000s, some of these private equity firms started to look at this and go, hey, uh, talent is very important. And that was really about the attraction of executive talent to their portfolio companies. And so they answered that by hiring a talent partner. And the background of that talent partner at that time was really an executive recruiter they started off the role, many of them, as, well, I'm going to do search for the portfolio companies, and then quickly found out, well, gosh, if I have 30 portfolio companies, that's an awful lot of searches. And so then it turned into, well, I'm going to maintain relationships with executive search firms and really get these executives in as fast as we can by running a great process. But I think if we look at today, given that proprietary deal flow uh is you know gone away in many cases because of the internet investment bankers and other things that have matured the private equity industry as well as financial engineering being kind of table stakes and everybody has the different levers or tools to engineer an asset the real differentiator today is people and can you assess a management team identify if those folks are equipped to execute upon the investment thesis and then get that right executive team in their chair as quickly as possible and working well together to achieve the investment thesis is making all the difference. And what we like to say at Bespoke Partners, it's not really about finding a qualified executive anymore. It's really about finding a qualified executive that complements the culture and ethos of the current executive leadership team 
and is equipped to understand and execute on the investment thesis. That's the real differentiator. And I think that talent has become this quintessential growth lever to achieving outsized returns. And I think there's so much work we're going to be doing in the coming years to continue to drive that thesis so that our private equity clients can achieve outsized returns. According to your report, executive team turnover per new portfolio company deal was occurring more slowly on average in 2022 than in previous years. Why do you think this is, and what are your expectations for turnover in the C-level in new portfolio companies in the future? Well, it's quite interesting. I think you know th- this is largely market-based, and I think if you look at we are coming off one of the tightest labor markets uh, in the near history um, due to a, a number of factors, including, you know, a robust 10 years where I think, you know, folks generated significant returns. I think, you know, you look at COVID and I think a number of folks, you know, it's well documented, uh, hung them up and retired. Um, and then I think you looked at record number of investment in private equity portfolio companies. And I think that all created a very tight labor market and and even more so a tight labor market for proven talent. And so I think that drove um, the the slow movement around the C-suite. I think we had a number of candidates uh, that had multiple offers pursuing them, which of course drove up compensation as part of that. But I think that really drove um, the the slowdown in in turnover was the tight labor market. I think as we look to, you know, 2023 and beyond, I think the balance in the labor market is slowly starting to move more towards equilibrium. That said, we are still seeing some tightness for proven, very successful operators that are still commanding a a premium for their services. What has led to the overall rise in compensation at the sea level and, and why has CEO compensation risen at a faster rate compared to others? Why, why is the CEO role so important? Seems like a basic question, but I figure I'll ask it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, we hit on the tight labor market for proven talent, which has certainly driven, uh, the cost of, of labor up in the executive leadership team. Um, the emphasis on the CEO, of course, is very interesting because I think, you know, as you look at CEOs, I think that the number of proven CEOs is far fewer. And I think that those folks who have a proven track record of making money for private equity investors is at a premium. And so they're able to effectively drive terms for their services. And I think, you know, as we talked about with the labor market and where it's heading in 2023, while I think that equilibrium is coming back, you look at, you know, these recessionary talk and the slowdown in the broader economy, and that is putting an even higher premium on proven wartime CEOs who understand how to navigate tough times, grow through tough times, and really make those impactful investments that generate outsized returns in a, a tough economic market. Eric, in your report, you highlight three emerging C-suite roles that are becoming increasingly common in private equity portfolio companies. The chief people officers, the chief revenue officers, and the chief information security officers. Explain the impact of each of these roles in private equity portfolio companies. 
Yeah, no, and I appreciate you bringing this up. As, as I mentioned, very talent about or very passionate about talent and its evolution. And I think the first one, chief people officer, hits the talent thesis at its core. And so we talk about talent as a growth lever for private equity. And I think when you really start to think about that and the manifestation of that within the portfolio company, it's in the chief people officer and very careful to use the word chief people officer versus uh, chief human resources officer or vice president of human resources, because what that chief people officer term suggests is the strategic importance of talent in the portfolio company and the need to hire a proven people executive that thinks about people strategically and the holistic aspect of the attract, develop, retain, and belong thesis in the portfolio company versus the connotation around human resources being very tactical around can we have strong benefit plans are uh, mitigating risk. And so that chief people officer, I think, is following this trend of how important people is to the investment thesis. And that's why we're seeing more of those roles. Uh, Within the chief revenue officer, it's another one that's very exciting. So if you think about private equity, a very common theme in the investment thesis is fixing or strengthening the go-to-market play for that portfolio company. And so when you think about that, what you're thinking about is an executive that can come in and drive a holistic strategy around go-to-market that could be reimagining the customer relationship. It could be reimagining the customer life cycle and how we better serve the customer throughout the life cycle to gain more value. It could be penetrating new markets. And I think the emergence of the chief revenue officer role really speaks to having a seasoned leader that can plan or holistically evaluate that go-to-market strategy where historically uh, portfolio companies have solved that role through different roles, perhaps a VP of sales and a VP of marketing, and not really having that holistic go-to-market strategy. And so I think that's really a realization of how critical the go-to-market strategy is to the investment thesis and really having a quarterback plan and execute that go-to-market thesis. And I will say a little nuance within this chief revenue officer role for 2023 is a focus on the chief customer officer. And I think that is part and parcel to two things in the industry. One is we are heading into tough economic times. And so your current customer is the best customer. So this notion of having a customer officer that understands the customer journey and life cycle and how to maximize the value of that customer is really important. But then the second piece within that is the maturization of the software industry where historically you thought about customer support synonymous with tech support, where I think the industry has evolved to look at it from a much more sophisticated lens, which is it's really about customer value and the perceived value in that customer journey that makes it much more than just tech support. And so that's a nuance within the chief revenue officer's domain that that um, is bubbling up. And then the final one, Rob, that you mentioned was the chief inform or uh, chief information security officer or a CISO. Right. That has actually uh, peaked and and started to to really take hold within the C suite. 
because of the importance of information and protecting the information, whether it's financial information, transactional data, customer information, employee information, uh, and the importance of really making sure that um, that information is secure and the data is not breached. That's that's a rise in, in why that role has, has really taken off. You know, as the person who moderates Hunt Scanlon's conferences, I often have to introduce all these individuals that you just highlighted, you know, the CPOs and the CROs and, and so on. And that was an excellent breakdown for me as kind of a layman to all this to get up there in front of this crowd and now know a little more of what I was talking, what I'm talking about. So I appreciate that. Uh, Eric, what are your expectations for emerging C-suite positions in companies of all sizes going forward? You know, I think the notion here, what we really tried to assess within this talent mapping is if you look at companies by size, what is the natural evolution of an executive leadership team from, say, $50 million in ARR to $100 million in ARR or $100 million to 250 And I think what you're seeing, one of the correlations we saw is in terms of number of employees when an organization hits a thousand employees, that organization typically has a fully built out C-suite. And so what I would say is our study on these trends and pathways are at its infancy, more to come there. But I think we're going to continue to see a, a build out and an adherence to the executive leadership team and how it correlates or fits with the investment thesis, very similar to the importance that talent has been placed on the investment thesis and the correlating chief people officer role, the importance of the go-to-market strategy on the investment thesis and the correlation to the chief revenue officer or CRO, and then the importance of protecting your data and going forward to the investment thesis and the arise of the CISO. So much more to come on that. Um, but very excited with some of the research that we've done and we're going to continue to do as we re- release these reports on a quarterly basis. And as we wrap up, anything you'd like to add? No, Rob, certainly appreciative to be here with you, appreciative of the work that Hunt Scanlon does in the market to really cover talent. Obviously, they cover it much broader than private equity, but they do a great job partnering with us in private equity. And so always appreciative of of the opportunity to speak with you all. And then finally, just excited for the future and the talent thesis within private equity. We at Bespoke Partners are investing heavily into understanding the nuances and candidly work on what that future looks like for our clients. So thanks again for having me today, Rob. Eric, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the show today. And I hope this podcast provides our listeners with a strong understanding of your platform. I wish you and Bespoke Partners continued success and hope to have you back on again soon and have you along at conferences and, you know, continue the relationship. It's been a pleasure, Eric. Thanks so much. Thank you, Rob. That's all the time we have here today alongside Eric Wolzikowski of Bespoke Partners. I'm Rob Adams, and this has been Talent Talks.